The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here, my boy Al. What's up, Al? Your boy Al. Al's having a great week. How about you, Steve? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Little under the weather for you, yeah? Yeah, had to had to miss out on uh, going to church tonight and skip work the last couple of days, working from home and just kind of not right. feeling up to it. But and always no feeling Rona, up. right? No Rona, just a little cold. No, no, just no Rona. I got the test today. Came my negative. I am not an outcast in the, uh, <laughs> the masses. So unclean, unclean. <laughs> yes, he's a leper. But uh, I am always good, though, for Story World. And so uh, absolutely glad that we're still doing this tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. So this is going to be the conclusion to our harrowing series so far mm. on plot types. So character-driven versus plot-driven. And I've had a lot of fun talking about yeah. this particular uh, subject. And so I'm excited to talk about tonight applying those in the different sort of realms in the fiction and in the uh, sort of business and marketing in the real world, you might say, uh, <laughs> how do, how do we, how do we apply these things and use them to our benefit? So I'm excited to get going on that. I'm excited to hear your perspective. Um, this is one of those topics where you and I are, are totally just deviating down different paths and kind oh, yeah. of addressing, oh, yeah. addressing different topics here. Um, I thought, yeah, what well, he just of, said is you guys are getting two podcasts for the price of for the, one. For the price I of hope one. you've heard that. So instead of it that. being free, we're basically paying you. This yeah. night, so <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this was uh, thinking on the last two episodes, though. I feel like that if I went back and I don't listen to our podcast and we're done, but if I went back and listened to it, I'd probably like shake my head at some things I said just because it's such a hard um there's no really clear cut black and white with this where okay yes this story is definitely a plot driven story and this story is definitely a character driven story at least with writing that i'm familiar with and reading it's 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 very much a gray area now you definitely do have books where you can point out where there is definitely plot driven which really helped me kind of sort from my thoughts is rereading through the harry potter series that you got me excited to go into again and so um kind of what i think i did say in our podcast about one of them where the more that you progress either in a series or a story the characters it ends up being less plot driven or more character driven and you do see yeah. that as the books continue to go that rowling wrote but especially even all the way up to the end but especially the first couple it's about 
95% plot driven. I mean, yeah, you learn about Harry, but even with Harry, the first book especially is more, here's the wizarding world. Here's all this stuff that's happening to him. And it's just kind of a whirlwind. It's exciting. And especially for kids reading, it's exciting because of all this new fun stuff that they're introduced to, but it's definitely plot driven. And I think I said on the podcast before thinking about Lord of the Rings as kind of uh, had a lot of plot driven attributes in it where Frodo is just kind of like if Frodo were just left to his own devices, he'd be staying in the Shire, but the ring was kind of thrown at him and everything. But then, yeah, after reading Harry Potter, especially it's um just really eye opening how much uh, I never, you know, I always know that, you know, Lord of the Rings has some very strong characters. Um, Definitely was not saying that, but how much character driven it actually is, especially in comparison to others. I guess I say all that to say um, it is such a gray area. And I think that with mature, with more mature writing and, um, you know, more develop, having more time to develop characters, you're going to see more of that character driven story, which I think makes for a better story anyway. But any story is going to have both of those elements. And it's more of a, I was telling Steve beforehand, it's more of a spectrum where it's not when to use character driven um, tactics or stories or when to use a plot driven um, strategy. It's more or less of the mix that you want to give to your readers and audiences. And at what time is appropriate to push the characters forward or have them make decisions and have them talk together. And so, yeah, uh, it's very much a, you're going to come across something different every time you get into a different story. Percent. You know, I think you're in really good company. Um, I remember just recently I was reading Stephen King's On Writing, and honestly, it's probably one that I'm going to go back through pretty soon. I think he would agree with you, except he seems to make an additional distinction that I think is interesting. He sort of uh, separates story, plot, and characters as their as their own thing. So um, I think the way that he sort of sees it is that like whatever your story, whatever your, you know, whatever your story starts out as um, the most interesting stories, the ones really worth reading or watching or whatever are going to be those where by the end it has taken a serious shift towards character development. Yeah. Um, Cause ultimately that's what we as, as human beings uh, care about, right? We're very relational, very interpersonal, you know, emotional things like that. We're going to care a lot more about what actually happens to the person than uh, necessarily the circumstances that they're in. But ironically though, um, it takes a lot of buy-in um, and I'm just, I'm, lots of thoughts coming to my mind now about just how this works in real life. Notice that like you, you don't, you're not typically interested in a person for person's sake, right? Like if you get interested in a person, it's going to be because of the plot, the, the plot line of their life or, or something about their story, right? Like think about Ted talks, right? You like a, how many people have been introduced to new, like authors and speakers and everything because of Ted talks, but you weren't, like it wasn't necessarily their life story or just them as a person that got you interested. It's some sort of aspect mm-hmm. that piqued that interest, some story or some, some plot line, if you will, some narrative that um, you went down and then, then suddenly um, you get interested to the point where you care about what they have to say about other things too. Right. And so that, at that point, that's when the shift happens in real life where you get interested in a character. So that almost comes secondary. And so I think Stephen King um, had some of the same thoughts and where he makes the distinction that I thought was kind of cool is 
he's he actually says he kind of poo-poos on plot-driven stories a little mm. bit, not because they're bad, but just because he he said that he doesn't really he can't really think of anything where the intent was design of the the plot. I mean, I'm sure there are examples, but he said it usually starts with just good old story. Now he is also what the writing world today would call a pantser, right? And not a plotter, right? So he likes to just sit <laughs> yeah. down and write instead of actually going through and, 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 and actually plotting things out um, in an outline and all of that. So I'm sure there are some very professional, very awesome writers who would, you know, disagree with him, but he's also not stupid. So um, anyway, the way that he sees it, it's like, it starts with good stories, even if they're, individual pieces of a larger um picture and then over time as you tell more stories that revolve around the people well the plot like blossoms out of that eventually into something that you can retrospectively look back and say oh here's the plot points but it wasn't necessarily planned that way maybe sometimes it was but it wasn't necessarily planned that way and then the same thing with the character so at the end of the day the character development ultimately ends up happening and it comes out but that wasn't like the the thing from the start and i think that's a really interesting thing because even you i mean you're an outliner you know you like to to be a little bit more detailed in the way that you write um in terms of separate phases of writing but you learn things about your characters mm -hmm. as you go um even so and so i think that's really it's really just indicative of how people are first we care about people's stories then we care about the people themselves and or themselves and then we can look back and like maybe plot out different points or whatever but like it's really all about the story um so anyway i just thought that was an interesting take i think you would mostly agree with everything you said um with that one little nuance so pretty it's, cool it's um thinking to uh tokens work about it's he kind of has uh perfect examples of a variety of plot driven character driven and different books for different audiences so if you just whether it's the books or the movie take the movies for example where you have some very interesting characters i mean gandalf who is a wizard and there's not too much you know um magic as what you would think magic is in right. middle earth and so gandalf's kind of the only one that's like that and then you have bilbo with the ring who obviously gets handed on to frodo uh, but then aragorn who's um you know, an awesome, just a uh, badass kicking orcs bucks, you know, and, and just, you know, really getting in there. And also yeah. he has his own really cool story with um, being the heir of a sealed door and, you know, being the rightful king and everything. And then, so you have all these interesting characters and then Frodo is, might be one of the least interesting characters in the whole movie. Um, but that story initially gets some kind of thrown in to having to, you know, he didn't ask to get, put and have the ring and take it to Rivendell. And then at Rivendell is really when it starts to get to um, developing Frodo's character really hard when he elects to take the ring to Mordor. And then his character starts building even more over the next, you know, couple books and couple movies. But um, it's just kind of interesting, the dynamic there where Token did a really good job taking a character that's not that interesting. Frodo's not a good fighter. He's not like he has some money, you know, compared to what other hobbits have. but it, he, you know, he lives simply for the most part and not too much that's super interesting about him in that world. But um, the 
you know, large focus on the movie is how his story ends. And so just following a kind of normal character like that, and it made me think about um, you have these big worlds. So in my mind, the the stories that I want to tell, you know, take place in this whole universe with a whole history behind it and everything that gets narrowed down to these characters that live in, you know, towards the end of thousands of years of history. And it you kind of, they are kind of separate in a way even though those characters might be living in the remnants and the, um, you know, the results of whatever has happened in, in the world's history, they're not really, like, they had no part in what happened before them or even a large part of what's going on now until maybe they become more powerful or a god or whoever the story goes. But at least in the beginning, they're not a part of that at all yet in their very smallest ways in that, you know, specific instance, the world's going to interact with them somehow. And so you do have this outside force that very much needs to drive them. And there's that plot driven point. You can't, you know, if the ring never came to Frodo, Frodo would be sitting in the Shire. But then once those characters start realizing that either they're a part of something bigger or their eyes start getting open to what's going on around them, then that's when those characters really need to shine through and, and be strong. And so, yeah, just examples everywhere of that mixture of the plot, throwing the characters in through the fire and dragging them through things that they never thought they'd be into and probably didn't want to be into. And then the characters yeah. actually take it upon themselves to make decisions and interact with each other and, you know, grow and strengthen relationships and all that, you know, human development. Yeah. Now I have, so I, in this specific example, um, I have a lot more, a lot more to, to, to learn about the lore of the rings. Let's see what I did there. I have a lot more to learn about the lore of the rings. Um, uh, but one thing that I have noticed just in, and I'm, I'm about, um, so I'm all the way done through the first, I'm done through the fellowship. I'm working on the two towers and I'm about, between a half and three quarters somewhere in there done with that. And what I've noticed so far is there are some obvious counterexamples to what I'm getting ready to say, such as, <laughs> such as Frodo being actually presented with the ring and yada, yada, yada. But I think most of the character development that I'm seeing in Frodo, um, it's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like I'm not seeing him change much, at least not yet. I mean, I am in subtle ways, but it's really interesting to see how most of his character development, I think, comes in how he's interacting with other characters. Um, so, for example, you've got um, like there was, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm gonna really embarrass myself here, probably, but if I'm remembering correctly, you know, at first there was like a little bit of tension with like Boromir, um, but then as that, um, like as they went on, like they really grew to respect him. And then um, and then in the second book, Faramir, am I getting this right? Uh, yes. I think Faramir, um, you know, found him and Sam and they, um, um, and I'm not sure how much further their adventure goes, but there was a long dialogue, you know, with them or whatever. And, and like him handling these people in various ways and then how he works with um what's his name Gollum Smeagol whatever like how he interacts with with him in the different ways I don't know it's just really interesting that mm. um it's it's less at least as I'm picturing it it's almost less like outer outside force you know scenario thing and more of just like these 
relationship scenarios that Frodo is having to deal with. And like his sort of calm confidence, I think just sort of ever more bursts through. Like he's, you know, he's not like, I feel like everybody else, like Sam is, you know, Sam looks kind of freaks out. He's a little ADHD, a little hyperactive. You know, I feel like you've got guys like, you know, Aragorn and Boromir who are just like these, um, like, I don't know, pretty high intensity people or whatever. And, um, um, Frodo is just a simple hobbit, but yet he's, he's got a confidence that mm. is interesting. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not seeing like a whole ton of, um, dynamics in Frodo's character, but I'm, but I'm seeing just that steady rise of calm confidence in so many various different people situations. Um, I know that's kind of unrelated to the topic at, at, at you know, as, as a whole here, but I was just, I noticed that about it and I thought that might be something worth sharing it is do, um i know that you have haven't read the books or watched the movies at all but do you know like how it ends uh or no oh, um, okay great not not really no okay cool. so i mean i have thoughts <laughs> you know but no i don't i awesome. don't I okay don't so i'm excited anyway. for you to finish it it'll be good yeah oh i'm, I'm excited too um it's that's a uh, that's kind of everything i had as far as my thoughts on wrapping up things for for plot and character one thing that okay. um i did one last thing that just kind of um, at least starting out with writing, I think it's calm, especially for younger writers and maybe even new writers too. If you're freshly starting as an adult, I remember as a kid, um, pretty much all your writing, your characters start out as stereotypes. You know, like when I started writing fantasy, I had the wizard, I had, you know, the uh, the the angry, loud uh, barkeep, and then you know, just your stereotypical yeah. characters and. And just a, a sign, just to remind yourself, if you enjoy writing or if you're like critiquing someone else's work or trying to, um, you, there's obviously some characters who, especially characters that come and go very quickly, they might have some of those stereotypes just because if they're there to kind of fill a void or, um, you know, just they're in a scene or two. But your main characters and your side characters, um, at least you should those stereotypes that they're present at the beginning should at least wash away pretty quickly. Um, because yeah. it, I mean, yeah, we all have some stereotype things about us, but in the end, we're definitely beyond stereotypes. And so uh, just look at that next time you're watching a movie or reading a book or thinking about your writing yourself, you know, ask yourself, is this like, is this your everyday, you know, character in this position and every fantasy video game you played, book you've read, you know, movie you've yeah. watched. Um, just to kind of uh just keep an eye on that for whatever you're looking at. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because um you gotta keep people interested and it's gonna take more than Manila to get them there. So yep. um even though I quite like Manila. Um they say I hate when you know, people use you know vanilla in a bad context. Like, you know, vanilla is pretty sweet. Vanilla is <laughs> great, and it and it goes well with a bunch of stuff. It goes well with peanut butter sauce, peanuts, with cream, right? and cherries. Yeah, no, totally. Yes. Next, uh, anyway, the <laughs> chocolate podcast, or yeah. vanilla, or rather, confectionery vanilla. podcast. <laughs> uh, spices, sugar, spice, and all things nice. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> Steve. There you go. Yeah. So this is your this is your cue. This is your transition point. If you're only interested in the in the uh, nerdy fiction stuff that Alex likes to talk about, you could just go ahead on your merry way. Uh, but if you want to learn something that you can use in the real world, then something that's applicable, learn. something that's actually applicable. No, just play. Uh, <laughs> this is good. No, there is nothing more applicable than story, whether fiction or not. So it's the it's the it's the end all be all as far as I'm concerned. So um, 
which interesting, I guess I'll just start out by saying here that, um, and maybe I'll recap too, um, my actual position on this plot versus character inside of business and marketing so that you can have some context. But um, I found the same thing that you did in terms of the gray area. Um, it's so funny because it's a completely different thing. Like, like you said earlier, this is like, we're going in two entirely different directions here, even though we're talking about the same, you know, thing, but I'm noticing a lot of the same patterns. For example, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, of gray area between these two different kinds of stories. But to, to sort of summarize my position on it, a character-driven story is typically going to be, um, as a marketer, as somebody in business or, or whatever. And by the way, if you're not like a business owner or whatever, you can use this anyway. Um, you can use this on your LinkedIn profile if you're looking for a job, um, you know, if you're trying to get hired somewhere. Or if you're doing, you know, maybe you're in a job and you're doing some sort of business development for the person you work for. Um, marketing, like everybody's in marketing, right? Um, whether it's themselves or a product or whatever, ever or a service, like everybody. Can I interrupt in you for one second? Just because yeah. you hit on some point, I don't want to forget about it. It goes right with what applicable to real life um so business owner i was you know obviously steve's you know your classic example of a business owner he works from home has his own businesses successful with it great um but like for me and if you really want to um look at yourself examine yourself and see how you interact with other people and just really you know dig down into the person that you are and who you want to be um be the business owner of whatever position you're in just because you report yeah. to someone does not mean that you're not the owner of mm -hmm. what your responsibilities are. And there's a Great. huge difference between going into your job and saying, okay, here's my task that I need to do each day versus this is my job. How am I going to make it the best business that I can be and make this area the most successful that it can be? Because people notice that people that you report yeah. to other people, they'll notice that just a huge difference yeah. in mindset. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're yeah. working from home, you can own your business no matter where you are. Anyway, that's, I just that's exactly right. Preach on. And you know what? When you're when you're doing it that way, you only have one client, right? That's your boss. Exactly. When you do it my way, you have lots you have more. A lot. So <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's it's arguable which is the better bath. I think I think <laughs> I think it's right. But sorry to there are, no, that's perfect. There are actually a couple terms that go along well with that that I've always liked. One term is intrapreneur, intrapreneur. And that the term basically means somebody with entrepreneurial drive working intra working inside of another organization. And I think, I think the very best employees are entrepreneurs are people who are going to look at their position as though their, their very livelihood depended on it and as they should. And, um, like I, like I said, in my opinion, that's a, a very privileged position to be in because then you've only got like one, like likely there's one main, you know, call it a KPI or like one main thing that needs to be consistently happening well for your job versus if you're running a business, you got to keep it all going. Right. Yep. So, um, so that's good advice. And then the other word is, uh, the word that Dave Ramsey coined, which is entree leader, entree leadership. And so he talks about, so like even inside of his company, they might not be entrepreneurs inside of his company, but they're entree leaders. They, they lead inside of the company like entrepreneurs. So I think those are, um, it's a very good thought. Very insightful. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you brought it up, and I'm glad I accidentally uh, said it. <laughs> um, yeah. So continue so, on. Cool deal. So so right. So in my world, you've got character driven. You've got plot driven. Typically speaking, and again, there's gray areas. Typically speaking, 
your character-driven story is going to be the way that you're thinking about yourself as it relates to your customers. And um, the the kind of assumption here that I'm making, it's a correct assumption, but it, the assumption is that we are in a social um, age. Like the fact that the world is so crazy that you could like start an interesting Instagram account and a year later, major brands want to pay you 500, 1,000, you know, $10,000 to advertise on your Instagram freaking profile is just nutso, right? It's absolutely insane that we live in this kind of world. So if you think that you're not a media personality or that the old ways of doing things are always going to work, like it's not, um, it's just the world is shifting. Um, yes, history repeats itself. Things, things come and go, but still the technology rises. Okay. And so we're, we're just, Unless some sort of crazy, you know, like black, like global, like sci-fi blackout thing happens. Like we're just not going back to the days of sitting on the front porch swing, Andy Griffith going outside and playing ball all day. Like kids are going to be on screens, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not just not that way. Kids are going to be on screens. Kids are going to be literally like learning how to code before they're 10 years old Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, that's the world that we live in, no matter how nostalgic that you want to be. And so in that world, in the world that I'm describing, a, a business that does not have some component of media personality um, will become irrelevant. Okay. And, and again, I can say this confidently because of the, the, the wide spectrum of businesses that I serve. I mean, trust me, if this is true of my client that builds outdoor backyard storage sheds, for a living, it's true of whatever you do. Okay. Um, and this is the kind of work that we're doing for them. So um, I'm just telling you, there there is going to be that character, media-driven, like personality point to your business. So you better start thinking about it now and get started. Um, it's free to sign up for these social media platforms. So anyway, get on it. But um, so that's kind of the character-driven angle. And then the plot-driven angle is just a little – it's a subtle shift in thinking. But in the plot-driven angle, you want to actually minimize your role in the um, in the eyes of the customer, right? Because if if the customer perceives you as being the hero of the story, then you're causing conflict because they think – they're the interest, most interesting person. They think they're the hero of the story. So anytime you're trying to steal their thunder, that ain't going to work. So in in their eyes, you are not the hero. Even if they see you on the screen and in social media and whatever, still in their eyes, they're thinking, what's in this for me? And your only role in their eyes is how can how can you be of help to them? So in, what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, in your own marketing, in your own mind, in your own story, you are Luke Skywalker. But to them, you better be Obi Wan. That's the idea. You're you're Obi Wan in this in in their story. Um, so it's it's the character driven story is very much focused on you. The plot driven story is very much focused on them. And what you can do. Maybe a perfect example of this is Walt Disney. I think Walt Disney is a great example of this. Um, Everybody knows Walt Disney, okay? Like, he is an attractive character himself, right? Walt has, we're going to talk about some of these elements, but Walt has backstory. Walt has parables. Walt had uh, character flaws. Walt took controversial positions on things. These are things that are sort of 
universally seen in 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 business leaders like that who are attractive characters. Um, but at the same time, like me as a person taking my family to Disney World, I when I get into that mode, I'm not thinking about Walt. I don't give two speckled peas about Walt, and I don't even think a, a speckled pea is a thing. So I don't even give that much about about <laughs> Walt, and that doesn't matter for me. What what matters is the story that Walt invited me into. He invited me into the story of when I go to Disney World, it's the happiest place on earth. He invited me into the story of Mickey Mickey Mouse. Right? Walt's not trying to stand in the way of my Disney story, even though he facilitated it. Walt's just the guide. Walt stands there at the at the entrance to Disney. I mean, today he's he does so in stone, but like back in the day, he did <laughs> so and. And as you get to him, like what he does, and if you're watching on the video on the YouTube channel, you can, you can see what I'm going to get ready to do. But what he does, right, as you walk up to him is he turns to the side, right, and basically leads his hand back and mm -hmm. says, welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the this is the kingdom. This is the world. So I think I never thought about that before, but it's really good. I think that's the perfect picture of what I'm talking about. Walt Disney himself is is the hero of a lot of you know, for a lot mm. of people, but when it comes to the world he built, he's just the guide. All he did was guide you into your own awesome adventure. That's so cool. I think it is cool. I think it's very cool. And so, um, so that's what I'm talking about with, with character driven versus plot driven. Um, before we like move hard into the application of that, any like additional thoughts or questions about what I just said, or can we, no, I think that's, um, it's, and it's kind of a, it's a fine line to walk too. Cause you want to be someone who is um, not talking about looks wise, but just attractive on social media. You know, you want to be able to bring people in, have, yeah. you know, someone have a draw to you and have that um, character driven aspect to you. But at the same time, you kind of want it to stop there. And like, we yeah. just to point them to, you want to get out of the way. Thing. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, and that's where, and you can tell those people that have that special something mm -hmm. about them that can do it. It's an art. Listen, so um, I'm just going to use another example because it's uh, because now I'm having fun. So Steve Jobs, right? And I know po these are popular people, but it's easy to point to them. Steve Jobs is another one who did this perfectly. Everybody knew who Steve Jobs was for the same reason. Everybody knew his story. A lot of people didn't knew his story, knew his, his character flaws. Like, for example, a lot of people know that he, you know, he he went through like all this um, trouble with his daughter and with his wife and like these crazy spiritual experiences when he was growing up in college. Like a lot of people actually know that stuff about him, but he invited you into the story of 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 Apple. Um, and a lot of it happened with their advertising platform of Think Different. Um, and so what he did, you know, they came out with that commercial that we should just play and analyze on the show sometime, yeah. but they came out with the commercial, um, with here's to the crazy ones. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, number one, where have you been? Number two, um, after this podcast is you're done listening to it. I mean, like after like finish listening to it, but then after go somewhere else and listen to just type in here's to the crazy ones on YouTube. And I promise you'll find it. And so what happened is Steve jobs is this character that we, we look to and, and we admire. But the minute you started looking in his direction, he he pointed you in to his world and he said, are you one of the crazy ones? Do you believe in defying the status quo? Mm -hmm. You know, do you believe in changing the world? Do you believe in thinking differently? Uh, do you believe in seeing color where other people see black and white? Um, 
And, 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 and once you started to agree with all of that, you said, yes, yes, yes. You know, he basically said, well, if you believe in that, uh, we just happen to make these awesome computers that you should buy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not product first. I and mean, that's a whole other talk. Simon Sinek, start with why it's not, it's not about the product. It's about the, it's about the beliefs. And those beliefs are typically going to come from a person from that attractive character. So the idea is I love, this is great. I'm going to use this in my own stuff. I cannot wait. <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking like, even for me and like for you, mm. how can you, how can you get them? How can you be interesting enough? Okay. If you get this, this is gold. How can you be interesting enough so that they, so that they stop scrolling or whatever and look your direction for just a few seconds? And then what can you say in those few seconds that gets them immediately looking not to you, but past you into that world, into that story that you're trying to invite them into? How do you get them looking at, at what you believe and what you stand for instead of you? And that's how you build something um, truly big. And so that's where I know I, I went a long time on this, but I think that's where the gray area, the spectrum um, comes in, in my stuff. And I think is very, very important. Mm. Um, now, okay. So, so to, to dig in a little bit deeper in this one, very practical question that you can ask is like, okay, when you're, when you're getting started on, on this process and you're trying to figure out, okay, are we working on the character stuff? Are we working on the plot stuff? Because even though they blend, they are separate. I think what you can ask is, am I building my world or am I inviting others into a world, you know, into a mm -hmm. world of their own? What, what thing am I working on right now? Because you're going to design those two things very differently and you shouldn't blend them. Okay. Um, you, you should, you should distinctly work on these so that you know where all the boundaries are and then you can intelligently point them to um where they need to go uh this stuff doesn't happen by accident like some people just are really interesting um but like a, a lot of intentional thought and design goes into the marketing strategies of companies like uh apple right like walt disney world like uh even tesla and spacex like a lot of there's is actually a lot of thought that goes into this stuff along these lines so um, if you're working on your stuff, okay, if you're if you're in uh, your own sort of world building character driven story, then there are four main things to focus on. The first is backstory, then parables, then character flaws, then polarity. And what I'm suggesting that you do here is for the purpose of your of your of of your business, for the purpose of this exercise, um, you need to have an out of body experience with yourself, okay? And what I mean by that, is it's very difficult for people to think of themselves in the way that I'm getting ready to describe because we don't think we're all that interesting, okay? It's it's kind of like when Twitter first came on the scene. You know, people people were like, who cares that you're eating a hot, like, like nobody cares that I'm eating a hot dog. And like, who cares that I'm doing this, doing that? And and the, the right answer to the question is everybody. Everybody cares. Like, why? It doesn't matter. Because people, because relationships, we care about the minute details of what people are doing. Um, but we don't think that we're all that interesting. Um, it's like, you know, for me, I meant to like do a lot of this, like sort of documenting sort of stuff while I was out and about on my trip to Arkansas. Like I would have loved to. Um, and I did. I took pictures at like Bucky's. I'm holding my mug up for the camera. Nice. Um, I took pictures like at Bucky's and stuff, but I never posted anything to social. And like, why not? Like, I'm sure there were, like, I, I went and did some pretty interesting things while I was gone. And it's like, 
people might have been interested to hear and to see. Now, ironically, I shared it all with, with Alex and my wife. People <laughs> like that got to see everything. But like, why didn't I share that for everybody? People are interested in the little details. And I could have connected with my audience. Like, maybe I have some a member of my audience who is in Texas where Bucky started and they would have commented on my thing like hey like I've I've been to the original Bucky so we could have started a conversation um you see how and that then started a podcast and then started and then started a podcast <laughs> and then started a business that's the um uh, the natural step for everybody uh, right yes. um so what I'm getting at here is we don't think we're inherently that interesting. So what I want you to do is how to out of how to that out of body experience with yourself, and then think about these these four things. So again, first I'll repeat them here is backstory, right? So backstory is what are the interesting and relevant parts of your story that would matter to somebody else. For example, there's a lot that we don't know about Walt Disney because it was never told. However. Uh, I'll just give two things. Two things that we that we do know about Walt Disney are that Walt was never really into the business stuff. That was mostly Roy. Uh, so Walt was all about the dream and making it happen and the big picture. And Roy was about the finances and the details and the management. Um, both people were needed in order to be successful. Um, but again, that's just an interesting detail in Walt Disney's story. I mean, notice that it's still Walt Disney World, right? It's not Roy Disney World. Um, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But it's it's still an important detail. Uh, another important detail in Walt's backstory is that he was fired from one of his very first jobs working in animation because he didn't have, get this, a big enough imagination. Mic drop. Like, like I would, if, if my mic wasn't on a stand, I would drop it. Like Walt <laughs> Disney didn't have a big enough imagination. That's an interesting piece of Walt Disney's backstory mm. that um makes it interesting so you don't need to know what hamburger he ate for for lunch on you know september whatever 7th 1955 you don't need to know that um but little relevant interesting pieces of the story are good so so intentionally think about things in your backstory that would be interesting to and for the sake of simplicity i'm just going to say i'm just going to stick to like talking to business owners because that's what i are and that's what i understand um but it's like what things as it relates to the customers that you serve or the audience that you serve or whatever would be relevant to them enough to get them to pay attention or to get to get interested. Um, so that's your backstory. But then you've got your parables. OK, and your parables are your stories that teach a lesson. OK, so. Most people are not interested because everybody's a guru, right? Like I said, anybody can start up a social media thing and, and say anything they want to. Um, but if you have stories that you can anchor to the different uh, lessons that you'd like to teach, then you're good. You're good to go because that creates that emotional buy-in with people. So anytime you want to teach somebody something, let's say you are, I don't oh gosh, I don't know. Let's say you're teaching people how to do crafting online, right? Um, you're, you're going to teach people how to like make reefs and make little things or whatever. I don't know. Um, let's say you do that. Like what stories are are relevant? Like could you could you work work on a project, you know, or is there a certain technique that you learned? Instead of just teaching the technique for what you're doing, why don't you start by saying, so I learned this technique when I was early in my career and I was struggling with learning how to do this. Uh, my mentor, Shaniqua, uh, showed me how to do this one little technique and it made the big the biggest difference. And then I made these beautiful things, you know, whatever the story is, but anchor anchor the lesson to a story and you'll get more buy-in. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So this is the story world podcast after all, not the instruction world podcast. Okay. Um, number three, character flaws. Okay. And this is because people, um, like nobody, people don't, um, really trust people that have it all together. Uh, this is why the people who get the most love on social are those who are the most vulnerable, right? The people like, uh, story time is like one of the biggest hashtags on TikTok, and basically yeah. it's just these long drawn out multi-part stories and it's like who cares well the reason we care is because we love looking at other people and feeling like oh my gosh like thank god i'm not the only one who doesn't have it all together um character flaws are are an essential part to building what we're calling an attractive character and then the last one is um polarity okay polarity and we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'll just be brief. But the point is, have an opinion. Um, yeah. Take a stand somewhere. Uh, I think about uh, Mr. Rogers. Now, Mr. Rogers, okay, is not what you would think of as the as the modicum of, of polarity. Because I don't want you to think when I say polarity that I mean, like, be Donald Trump or Elon Musk. Okay, now that works. And, and that, by the way, they are attractive characters in their business, and it works for them. Um, but if that's not your style... Uh, you don't have to do that. You can just be Mr. Rogers. Now, everybody loves Mr. Fred Rogers. Nothing wrong with Fred Rogers at all. I mean, like greatest dude, whatever, probably of the 20th century. But he was very, very opinionated. And if you can actually go back on YouTube right now and see videos of him testifying before, I don't know if it was, it might've been the Supreme Court talking about how junk, this was like whatever, the 60s, like <laughs> how junk the programming was he you know it's nothing compared to today talking about how junk the programming was for kids and that they needed wholesome programming or whatever and he was trying to keep the funding going um for for his show for mr rogers neighborhood and so he's he took a stand for something he believed in something he didn't just go with the flow go with the crowd and that made a big difference i think uh, an important thing too to keep in mind it's one of those things where we all know it but we send kind of a weird signal to our kids and even other people We'll say something like, like, hey, like if someone doesn't like you or if you don't get along with someone, um, you know, like, you know, you're not going to be friends with everyone or this or that. But I really think that especially if you're someone, you know, this is mostly for someone who wants to, like, put themselves out there, whether it's to promote their business or try to, you know, whatever your goal is in life for yourself is not to say if someone will like you, but that there's going to be people who do not like what you're doing. And who won't like you even as a person. And that's just how we as people are. In fact, I think it was, uh, again, something we all know, but Pastor was saying it the other day about people in our church. Like, you know, fortunately, yeah. um, Steve and I are really good friends. And then our wives just, you know, really fortunately as well are really good friends. Um, but yeah. Steve and I are not going to be really good friends with everyone in the church. And there might even be someone in our church that we don't really get along with too well. And yeah. that's just how life is. So don't be afraid of putting your something of yourself out there. For me, for example, um, if I start, you know, when I start promoting my book and other stuff that I'm doing, there's also going to be people who are not going to like what I'm putting out, <laughs> you know, and say like, exactly. you call yourself, you know, like an epic fantasy writer, you know, you lack this, this and this. And even though I some of that stuff might be true. I'm not going to get anywhere in life by sitting in the corner. Um, exactly. So just know, like, you know, being that and like what Steve was saying, you don't have to be polarizing, like in the, the sense of the negative way, like sometimes how we see Trump or other people that kind of, you know, yeah. that that caricature, but um, just like put yourself out there and 
you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be clear, like, and, and I guess in a, in a sense, you know, we could call this a mini coaching session, but like in a sense, what I'm telling, you know, you, as you work on your, your off, you know, you're writing your, your career as an author. And then for anybody who's listening, I'm literally suggesting write these things down on a piece of paper or on a note, on a notes app, write backstory, parables, character flaws, and polarity as bullet points. And then literally sit down for an hour or two and brainstorm situations that you could fill out and put new bullet points under each one. And what that will help you do is give you the confidence for how you want to show up when you start producing content. You know, when you start that blog or you start that podcast or you start uh, sharing uh, your, your thoughts on writing on TikTok or whatever it is that you decide to do. Um, now you'll be able to do that. Having had the benefit of that out of body experience where you can, you can now see how you want to be perceived by um, other people. And it's not that you're being fake, you know, everything here should be very, very genuine. It's just, it's amazing how much more, um, how much more genuine I think you can be when you start to get your mind out of it. And instead just try to separate yourself from yourself. I know I'm being weird here, but separate literally like that out of body thing. And just, uh, I think you'll find that you're a lot more of a dynamic and interesting person um, than you thought before. Um, okay, so shifting into the other side of it, and I'll try to be a little bit quicker about this, but basically, you want to do a 180 now. Like, So you don't want to be thinking about character building at all when you move into the plot. When you And and I, I'm linking this, even though it's different, in especially in the fiction world, and I'm, I'm sort of linking this with the idea of uh, world building um, is is different plot points within the world that you can think of to bring other people in. And it will sound amorphous a little bit talking about this stuff because it sort of is amorphous. It's really hard to, um, um, you know, nail down specific elements of things. But um, I guess one concrete example that everybody will know, again, I, I hate using a Trump example twice in one podcast, but I'm going to. Um, just because it's easy enough. Okay. The whole like red hat with the make America great again and everything. Okay. You realize that that what that is, is world building. Um, like that's identification and world building inside of this particular, um, sphere of influence. Okay. That's an, that's a tangible example of, uh, of the kind of thing I'm talking about. But in this case, what you got to do is rewrite the story that's going on in their mind. So whenever you're trying to sell something to somebody, immediately they're thinking about um, resistance, okay? Because people are naturally skeptical, okay? So you um, almost certainly, um, like when's the last time you were scrolling through Facebook and you saw an ad for a thing that looked cool? Okay, fine, it's, it's intriguing enough, but you click on it and somewhere, somewhere in there it, it clicks, it triggers for you as you're looking at it. The more interested you get, the more skeptical you're becoming <laughs> at the same time. And I know you know what I'm talking about. You're it's like, okay, you're 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 interested, but it's like, okay, this this maybe this is too good to be true. Like, what's wrong with this? There's something wrong with this picture. And so what do you do? You start looking for the reviews, right? Yeah. And you're just looking, what you're looking for is okay, who who here can confirm my belief that you um um that that this thing is not going to be all that it's cracked up to be. And if you are pleasantly surprised by enough overwhelming um, evidence going in the other direction, then that's when you'll end up taking action on, on the product or at least moving into the next step of the buying cycle. So again, practical example, because I don't want you to think I'm only talking theory here. This happened to me just the other day. I was scrolling Facebook 
and I saw a thing that intrigued me. The the title of the ad was that bug thing. That but oh no, it was bug bite thing. That was the title of the ad, bug bite thing. And I was like, what? Like what that you know, just you don't put those words together yeah. normally. So it's like, what are you talking about? So I looked at it and uh watched the the little video on the Facebook ad, and it was like it it showed a person literally taking like one of those, it, it almost looked like a medicine dropper thing, but basically you press it against the skin and you go and you pull the thing out and it sucks the little, like the poison or the whatever it is. That's in I saw bite. that. I did, did see you? that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I did see that. It sucks it out of, of, of your skin and allegedly the, the bug bite, the bump itself goes like basically right away. And the infection dies down because you've sucked the stuff out of it. Okay. And I'm just like, there's no way. This is unbelievable. Like, like <laughs> I saw it. I was I was getting more and more intrigued and more and more skeptical. I'm like, there's no, I mean, there's just no way that this is right. And so what did I do? Right. I started looking at the reviews and I literally, I could not find a bad review. And there were hundreds wow. and hundreds and hundreds. I mean, it wasn't a fake review thing. There were, there were hundreds of real life stories of people being like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe how well this worked. I was like the most skeptical person you've ever seen. And boom, it like took the bug bite right away. So um, so what what happened? What happened there? Well, of course, you had the customer's help in this case, but what happened is the story in my mind about that product got rewritten. And I, I haven't bought it yet, but I moved to the next phase of the cycle where like a day or two later I told Tiffany about it. And then about a week later, which was like two days ago, um, I, I noticed my daughter had like this huge welt <laughs> on her eye right here. And I was like, oh my gosh, did she fall? What happened, babe? And she's like, no, that's a mosquito bite from the church cookout the other night <laughs> um, or whatever it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, is that seriously a bug bite? And I was like, oh, we should have brought, the, brought bug the sucker thing. <laughs> and then I explained it to her, you know, some more. And I was like, oh, we got to get one of these, right? So I, so I've, I'm moving through that long tail, you know, that buying funnel. And, you know, eventually I'm probably going to end up be becoming a buyer. Okay. So that was the context. Now let me give you practical ways to make that same kind of thing happen in your business, in whatever you're doing. Okay. So there's four things here to think about as well. So for any problem or objection or opportunity that you're offering people, there are four things that you need to think about. Okay. First is the chains of false belief, the chains of false belief. So immediately that's that skepticism that's that oh there's no way this is going to work um it's it's like you know so chain of false belief for that one thing for me uh one of them would have been well look at we've got plenty of those little medicine sucker things in my what you call it and there's no way that that same thing or anything that looks like it is going to work to suck a butt bite off of my child what the frick are you talking about mm -hmm. um so it's it's their job to Take that and um, and actually rewrite that story in my mind. So like I said, that goes through four phases. So first, you have the chains of false belief. So identify the things, and this is another thing where you're writing down bullet points. Um, the, the difference here is that these correlate with each other. So it's kind of like four steps, okay? So for any problem that you have, you've got the chains of false belief. And then you've got the experiences. So the reason they have those chains of false beliefs are because they've had failed experiences. Classic example of this is direct marketing. Um, <laughs> um, you know, think about, um, uh, Mary Kay or, or whatever. Right. So, 
um, uh, maybe you're, you're trying, somebody's trying to sell you into Mary Kay and it's like, oh, well I used to be in, um, color, whatever, like there's a color street, I think is a, is like a nail one or something. Right. So it's like, well, I used to be in color street or I had a, I had a cousin's daughter that was in color street and it failed miserably and they lost all this money and they had all this inventory and yeah, it, it didn't work for them. So it won't work for me. Okay. So now, so they have these lived experiences and based on that, there's a story that they've told themselves. So follow me, change the false belief. Then you have experiences, then you have stories. So what this is, is in their mind, they've told themselves a story about how, oh, well, based on that experience, I'll never mm. insert, you know, fill in the blank. I'll never sell Mary Kay again. I'll never get invited into another, um, uh, you know, make the mistake of, of, of falling for another one of these um, multi-level marketing scams, right? And then you start doing additional stories like, oh, all these multi-level marketing things are just a scam. I bet nobody actually sees results, you know, whatever, whatever. So you've got all of these false stories. So if you th start thinking about it, this is a lot for a person to have to overcome. So you have to, now what you have to do is create new, um, I'm going to use a, you know, whatever, like a special term here, but the term is epiphany bridges. Okay. That's, I didn't make it up. Uh, I think it's a kind of a clunky term, but anyway, Russell Brunson made it up, but he talks about these epiphany bridge stories. And the idea there is to rewrite the story in their mind as it relates to these things. So I'm just going to go with the multi-level marketing Mary Kay thing, and I'm going to make some things up. Uh, so if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you are a Mary Kay expert <laughs> or something like that, I'm terribly sorry for getting these details wrong. Um, but this is maybe an example scenario of how this could work, right? So, uh, hey, I want to talk to you about Mary Kay. Change the false belief. Oh my gosh. Well, my uncle's cousin started, you know, this is, you're thinking internally. My uncle's whatever daughter got the um, uh, color street thing and it didn't work out for them. And that was terrible. Okay. So there's change of false belief that's based on the experience that I just talked about. Uh, right. So, so the, the false belief is um, multi-level marketing is a scam. The experience is my, my cousin lost money in it. Okay. Then the story is, since my cousin lost money in it and, you know, I've actually talked to a couple of friends before and they've been in different multi-level marketing things and they lost money in it too. And in fact, um, uh, one of them actually worked for Mary Kay and she got the, she got the like hundred dollar free makeup bag that they give you and everything. She got sucked all into it too. And she ended up, you know, whatever, losing all of her money. So there's these stories that are, that are piling up. So the new epiphany bridge, it would be on the onus of that consultant, right? To then come in and say something like, well, uh, we realized that, you know, lots of people have tried MLM before. Um, you know, maybe you had a cousin who just so happened to go through this, uh, you know, go through different MLMs or whatever, and it didn't work for them. And so you're bound, you know, you have all these false ideas about how it works. Well, did you know that actually here at Mary Kay, uh, we don't make you buy up any certain inventory amount or whatever. So you're not in jeopardy of losing anything. In fact, you pay a hundred dollars, you get your free bag and that's your only investment at all. And even if you never sell anything, you at least get this awesome free bag and all of this makeup out of the deal. So best case scenario, you go on to make a lot of money with this and you don't have to stock up a ton of inventory, just order things as you need it very worst case scenario you're only a hundred dollars in and we're going to give you like 350 dollars worth of stuff right when you sign up right so that's that's sort of that how that uh process would work so as you are and and some things are like it's more felt than logic like i just went through a very logical way of doing it um but some things it's more felt than logic like um 
I know of people who didn't think they were going to be that impressed with Disney World. And then they went. Um, mm. And I don't know what their change of false belief were or their experiences or their stories. But I know that the reality of the situation, the epiphany they had once they were there, overwhelmed that previous skepticism that they had. Right. So sometimes it can be more emotional and felt. Other times you're going to have to do it more directly. Uh, with with logic and in sales terminology, we call this being able to you know close the deal um, uh, to overcome objections in, in people's mind. But anyway, so those are the two different things, and I got to wrap up. I've been talking a lot, but um, so that's the idea. Is in the plot driven realm of things, you have to think about uh, creating experiences that overwhelm any skepticism or objections that they have, and getting them more involved in the world. And then on the character driven side of things, you're working on yourself as a sort of third party observer working on your own backstory and your own stories and your own character flaws and, and things that uh, you make you be perceived as different from people so that you can um, uh, start changing the world. If that's what you want to do, or either just providing for your family, whatever your goals are. So there you have it. That's my lecture. That's my, excellent. <laughs> my lecture for the day. Perfect. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Very, very applicable. I think so. That we, uh, we have a treat for everyone tonight. Um, Steve and I, maybe for the first time ever, maybe have a shared story of the week. Um, <laughs> the first time I think it might be. So, yes, um, our shared story is that of the rings of power. Yeah. Um, so Steve and I are going to do a podcast covering this and our thoughts on it and really dig down to yeah what we thought. Um, but we just thought we'd touch on here kind of, I guess you can call it the fallout of uh, the Rings of Power airing the first two episodes. And man, what a what a whirlwind it's been. I feel like that it's gotten more man. coverage and it probably has than even like Apple's new event today. Any other thing going out in the world, it is like yeah. the Rings of Power. Maybe that's just the universe you and I live in. I don't know, Steve. Yeah, it could, it could be, but I mean, definitely it's, it's got some serious mass appeal. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, you know, with Ben Shapiro reacts to it on, on YouTube, <laughs> yes. it, you know, it sums up. Right. So, um, it's interesting. Yeah. We'll definitely do a full episode covering this, but I'm just, I, I don't know. I've talked a lot, so I don't, I don't want to steal too much time here, but it, it's just I, my little rant here would be, look at like anytime you have um entertainment that has to happen okay i don't know if you noticed but entertainment in the 50s is different than entertainment today i'm not sure if that literally has slipped by your radar a little bit or or you know for some of these people and so it's like if you if you try to if you try to entertain people the same way that you did in the 50s today it's not going to work because it's a different it's a different world there are different expectations and especially if it's if it's anywhere in the goal to introduce new audiences to classic works then you're going to have to do some things that differ a little bit from the original so i guess we haven't gone into it too much yet but right the main sort of stink seems to be that whatever it's not tolkien style how would you summarize the stink? you summarize the stink for us yeah i think um and i think probably I will. And I think probably what Steve and I will do, it probably be, I'm thinking it probably will be a little bit longer podcast than we do this. We'll probably go over point by point and really discuss it and obviously talk about our thoughts specifically about it as well. But really, the big, <laughs> there's a couple of big things, but it kind of sums up to from what I gather is that I'll call them the 
you know, pure tokenist or tokenite, however, whatever yeah. way you want to look at it, that um, um, having to change either the timeline, basically anything that deviates from tokens core, um, whether it's a timeline or um, anything that he has set up in his world, if it deviates slightly from it, then like skin color of the characters. Wrong. Skin color of the characters. If something maybe takes place that's not, you know, that, to a certain event that didn't happen until like years after that. Um, and and so just anything that is out of line um, is just, you know, not good. <laughs> is uh, being looked at with a very critical eye, which again, maybe I should say this for the podcast, but it's funny when you read the Lord of the Rings books and then watch the movies how different a lot of things happen in those are yeah. now i will say peter jackson really kept true to the feeling and yeah. overall of what the books are communicating he did excellent with that but um it's just funny seeing like a lot of people yeah who are very big fans of the lord of the rings movies in every single way are um you know quick to very to judge yeah. a lot uh, basically every aspect of the show um but yeah Anyway, that's kind of what well, I, I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, my two thoughts on that would would would, would be well, actually three. My my main two though would be like anytime you're gonna be adapting for new and modern audiences, some things are going to have to change. Um it's just it's just the way of the world. Um and I'll be honest, I might even differ, um, or I don't know that I would differ, but I think uh there are some uh, some people who, let's just say it this way, some people who share my worldview might differ with me a little bit on what I'm getting ready to say. But I actually don't think at all it's a bad thing. In fact, it might even be a good thing um, to see, uh, for instance, racial diversity in characters that are maybe, like, maybe would deviate from how those characters would have been presented in the core material. Um, and th the reason I say that is because racially speaking the world was different back then in the sense of what was acceptable in even in modern american culture and things like that yeah. so i think it's i think it's good um not that you should focus on that okay that's that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying it should be like some huge focal point or whatever i'm just saying if a if a if a black person for example is truly the best character for the part then she should have the part she should not be given the part or denied the part on the basis of her race Either one is racism, and there are people on on the left and right who will disagree with what I'm saying right now, and that means I probably got it right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it is racism. Yeah. It is racism to choose a black person for a role that would not have been black in the original, like whatever of the material, um, on the basis of that, on the basis of their. Of their skin color i think in in most cases now unless we're talking about something where like whatever you're literally like a, a tribe of albino people or something and then there's a person <laughs> like a dude like black as yeah. the night they're like okay like let's i think it has to be within realistic terms but like what i want to see is the best actors and actresses for the roles in the position that's what i'd personally like to see so is did that happen i don't know maybe it didn't and maybe it's fair to gripe about that i don't know i'm just saying that's that's one consideration yeah um, i think um steve and i are gonna really take a good i think we'll take a really good critical analysis of all the minutiae between these different opinions and like what really yeah. matters so like for instance like you touched on it there um the diversity in the movie 
does it matter? And if it does, to what extent? And what right. should we? And we're going to look at <laughs> Steve and I really like talking about context. So like, what's the context of this show being built up? Like, why was it made in order for it to be yes. successful? How, you know, what's the audience range that it has to hit? This this and might so, be a series. It might just have to be a I think series. It might be. I, actually, I'm I actually think it will. I, I think. That's exciting. We're, all right, we're going to do it now. Steve and I have a couple other episodes coming up in a little, you know, the next couple of weeks. But then after a few of those, um, yeah. we're, uh, I think we should do a series on that. Because um, I think we can not only, you know, just just focus on rings of power but really applicable to other stuff in life and so actually yeah. that'll be really good I, yeah I, I i think so too um i think so too the, the other thing i want to say here this is an observation that i had as we were talking um um and this is a very general point right it's not specific so we'll get into the specifics later like, as you just said but this is something that's interesting right so um why why isn't this because you don't, you don't really hear this being an uproar. Actually, if anything, you hear the opposite. You hear, um, all right, with Marvel. Let's take Marvel for an example. So I'm again in true nerd fashion. Like Marvel tends to, you know, they're coming out with all these shows. And like for example, we're going through She Hulk right now. She Hulk is what's being released. And so what I like to do is go check out the YouTube um, reviews. Mm -hmm. of each of these things after they air so there's lots of channels that do this um emergency awesome heavy spoilers screen yeah. crush i like heavy spoilers in fact they're covering lord of, uh, of the rings of power as well which is cool so i like heavy spoilers so when when a new marvel show comes out me and my wife will watch the episode of the show and then we'll go watch the guy's name is paul he's an englishman he, he he's just <laughs> awesome um and from heavy spoilers show so we go watch that okay well a lot of what's happening in the show, because you guys realize that when Marvel is making these things, they're pulling from the comics. Okay, they're using the comics as source material. And you have different runs of comics and things. And what they'll do is they'll pull from all these different places and make something new inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I, know, I realize it's a little different, but like at the end of the day, to me, it's not all that different because you still got source material that you are deviating from and it's viewed in a positive light. For some reason, when it comes to the Marvel stuff, mm -hmm. it's like it's it's cool how they're how they're they're not following any one script in a particular, you know, rigid fashion. They're pulling from all these different places and weaving something new together. Um, but boy, that is not allowed in Rings of Power land, <laughs> apparently. And Tolkien is not it is not allowed. And and, and I uh, don't yeah. understand why personally, but maybe I'm not close enough to it. Anyway, I don't understand why. Um, so and uh, for the uh, the two or three of you that have made it this far into uh, the, this podcast episode, um, don't be fooled that Stephen. I think it is a perfect show because trust me, we will get exactly. to the it's points not, that yeah. we find thought kind of odd and uh, you know stuff that we um, you know we are definitely yeah. critical about as well. But I don't think uh, it's perfect, but I am enjoying it. I yeah. do, I do really yep. like it. Just spoiler alert, okay? I really like it. So. Um, Coming up, I think, uh, just to give a little preview, I don't think we do this too much, but um, I think one of our other upcoming episodes um, are going to we're going to be talking about Knives Out. Uh, we just had a movie night over at my place, and uh, I think Steve enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite movies, and so excited to talk about that and then definitely get into a Rings of Power series. But uh, we've been talking about it for a while, but we are on YouTube now. And so far, Steve and I are seeing really good success on there. Um, so just keep bringing it on and 
keep telling your friends about it. Give us a like and comment on our videos. And uh, yeah, yeah, really appreciate all the interaction we can get. It's super exciting. This is uh, yeah, this definitely. is super fun. Lots of cool things coming. A uh, real spoiler alert here. I've even heard that uh, there might be something of a photo shoot coming in our in our in our distant future. Maybe there might be some meat involved uh, as well. So so anyway, I'm excited about it, and uh, I hope you guys are too. So it's fun stuff. Thanks so much for joining along and letting us nerd out with you. See you next time. <laughs>